Well, I'll tell you this right on the front end. Something happened this, uh, this morning that has not happened in 25 years to me at this level. So at 8.20, you know, I, I was finishing the message and I was pretty much done with it. And um, I, I started to pace some other steps for a future message, y'all, and lost the message. I'm not kidding you. Now, I'm not saying that for sympathy because look, I, 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 my heart jumped out and I thought, oh no, <laughs> you know, that's gone. All I had was my introduction really. And it's one of those messages you'll see in a moment where there's just, it's a history lesson is what I'm getting ready to go do. And uh, someone said, man, did, you, did, did, you, did your heart start beating? I said, yeah, it did. But then I thought, well, there you go, you know? I, I'm glad this didn't happen when I was 38, you know, that, 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 that it happened now. And so I say that because I generally, and Rob does too, but I manuscript my message and y'all in part, it's for time. I need to stop. So I'm just saying, I don't, I don't have anything here to stop me now. So it may go a little long. Uh, anyways, we'll jump in and, and it's the, 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 the core of the message part. I'll, I'll just walk us through. And, and we did it last service and, and, and we'll be fine. I trust the spirit. I, I really do. I trust the spirits at work. Last week we, were in, we, we celebrated Thanksgiving. So we stepped away from our study of Philippians and we gathered here in a circle um, I was at Franklin there, and we were in a circle at Franklin. We had two microphones, and uh, I had a chance to, to teach briefly. But then the message really was you all standing at those microphones and simply reading that card to say, you know, you know thank you, Jesus, for it shows me you are. And I'm telling you, my experience at Franklin, it was amazing it was just so good, and in part because what was shared there, the highs and the lows, and I'm telling you, there was stuff shared, but the highs and the lows all pointed back to Jesus. And in that way, something happened last week, and I know it happened here and at Franklin, that, that doesn't often happen you know, with me talking like I am right now to you. But in that moment, y'all, the, the body, us, built up the body, each other, because it was your words, not mine, nor Rob's. I was so, so grateful for that. So we stepped out of Philippians there. We're going to stay out of Philippians for the next four weeks, because as Lindsay said, we've entered the season of Advent. Advent simply means arrival. It's the arrival of, uh, of Jesus. It's a season of preparation. And so we do this every year where we pause our series with the book we're going through and go, let's prepare our hearts for the, for the birth of Jesus. It's not preparing, you know, it's not the preparation culturally of houses and, and, and decorations and that kind of thing. It's heart preparation. Like what, what can we do so that, so that when we do celebrate December 25th, that our hearts, our, our attitudes, our, our desires, our longings, that, that, that all of that has been prepared appropriately to receive our King, y'all, our Lord, the Lord of Lords. Now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you a question here because this morning I'm really kind of setting the stage for these next three messages and I want some of you to answer this, okay? Because you're gonna have to answer out loud. So I'm gonna ask you a question. Some of you, this is gonna be like, hey, this just happened to me. Others of you, I really don't think that, um, I don't think it's gonna be hard for you to uh, conjure up uh, the memory of, of this. So here, here we go. I want you to answer this question. What, what, what are you thinking and feeling when, 
you, you, you get to the airport, you get through security, you finally get to your gate, and you find out your flight has been delayed. So, so you know then that, oh, oh my gosh, well, we may not get where we're going, or you know, it, it, I may miss a connection, right? Perhaps you know where that thing goes. And again, you, you've all been, perhaps it goes all the way down to you're not flying today, right? So I, I want you to, some of you are just gonna yell it out in a minute to say, this is what I was thinking, this is, what, this is what I said, this is what I felt, whatever. Now, I really do want your honest response. I don't want you know, a Christian version of, of this, but I do, I do want you to use discretion in your language, okay? Of what happened. So, so really, just a few of you yell it out. Like, what are you thinking, feeling? What's going on in you when, when, that, when you hit that delay? Frustration. Frustration, yeah, immediate. What else? Disappointment. Disappoint. I'm so disappointed we're not going. You know, what else? Anger. Panic. Panic. Yeah, well, I got to say, da, da, da. yeah. What else? Impatient. Impatient. What did you say back here? Time wasted, yes. Here, 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 that's an extreme example, right? Because flying, it's a big financial investment. It's a massive time commitment. I, I, I totally get it. So then when you, when you hit the delay, boom, you know, this, things can come out, you know, that, that, that's true. You're just totally frustrated. While that's an extreme, okay, I really believe that there are a lot of little minor, tiny things that delay us and the same things come out of us. What I'm saying is that if we're honest, I think all of us have a very difficult time waiting, being delayed. It's amazing what, what comes out of us when we're delayed. And so our, our theme, no surprise for Advent, is waiting. What does it mean to wait? And what we're going to do over the next three weeks, we're going to look at Simeon, Joseph, and Mary, these characters in the Bible story. These are characters who were waiting, you know, on, on, on the birth. And we're going to go into those stories and go, what can we learn about waiting as we examine how how they waited in that birth narrative. Now, what biblical scholars tell us is that those who were waiting, like Simeon, Joseph, and Mary, are representative of all of Israel. So we get to look at the individual, but, but, but they're representative of the nation. Does that make sense? And so what I'm gonna do, attempt to do, in, 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 a, in a very brief amount of time, is I wanna... I want, I want us to explore and think about one of the most dark and difficult periods in the history of Israel in which they had to wait. And if we'll, if we'll look at that, and I mean this, because I'm gonna teach on Joseph in I think two weeks, and there's so much in this story that I wanna apply to, even to Joseph's story, but if we'll get this part, this this little history lesson that I'm about to give us, if, if we grasp it and can discern how, what was happening in their wait, I assure you, y'all, I really mean this. We will wait differently. We will. Now, with that, uh, we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna go to the Old Testament and we're gonna start in the book of 
Malachi. So if you've got your Bibles, and here's where I'm, we always encourage you to, to bring your Bible, and, and here's where I go, uh, let's see what happens, because everything was, was lost, so to speak. Um, I want you to go to Malachi, and, and I'm going to go to Malachi in mind, because I'm just making a, a, a point here. Go past Matthew, get to Malachi, and Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. And I want you to go to Malachi. And I actually want you to go to the last chapter of Malachi. And I want you to go to the last verse of Malachi. And if you do that, what you'll see is like, here's my Bible. Now, this may not be true for you if you have a study Bible. Because study Bibles are loaded with notes. But, but this is just, this is not a study Bible. And so I've got Malachi 4.6 on the left. On the right, I've got really, it's a blank page and it just says New Testament, that's all it says. And then when you flip the page, I've got Matthew chapter one. Do y'all have something like that? Now, here's, here's what I want to remind us of. Between Malachi 4.6 and Matthew 1.1 is one page in my Bible. It's 400 years years in history. Y'all, that's 400 years. Uh, think about it this way. Malachi ends, the pilgrims are in the middle of the ocean. Matthew starts, and Lloyd's standing on this stage in 2021. 400 years. And that's what I want us to explore. Now, we're taking a really high fly over this. Um, theologians call those 400 years the 400 silent years. And they call them the silent years because when, Matt, when Malachi finished his oracle or his prophecy, um, God did not speak through his prophets, y'all, for 400 years. We just let that sit on us. I don't know that we, you know, for us, it's like, okay. But for, for, for a Jew who for thousands of years, God spoke through his prophets, that life itself was connected to Yahweh, God. And God goes radio silent for 400 years. You talk about a, a difficult wait. And, 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 and where I'm gonna go with this is I want you to think about what has changed, what, what can change in 400 years. Think about what, what's different about, let's just take our, what's different about America from, you know, Plymouth Rock to Brentwood, Tennessee in 2020. What, what's different about America? It's almost like it's mind boggling, Lloyd. That's ridiculous. So much has changed. I mean, it's not even the same world, right? Y'all, it's not the same world for them either. So when we pick up our Bibles and we start reading Matthew and we don't, we don't understand what happened between Malachi and Matthew, we miss so much of what the New Testament tells us. So with that, now, the, the, you, don't even don't, you have to take notes on this or whatever. I'm, I'm trying to do this off memory, so just hang with me on memory. Don't, don't have to remember dates, just big picture. I'm just gonna try and hit the big picture of these 400 years, if I may. So uh, I'm gonna start actually with, with the nation of Babylon, probably the, the most power, could be the most powerful nation ever in history. Babylon had conquered Israel and they took Israel into captivity for 70 years. We're about 587 BC. 
And so Israel, because they had disobeyed God, God said, if you disobey me, then you're gonna be scattered. You're not gonna get to be in the land. And so, so, so they disobey God. God takes them out of the land. They end up under the Babylonians. The Babylonians pick, you know, pick them up, bring them back. And it's, it's the exilic period. They're in exile. They're in Babylon. Now, God had told them specifically, you're gonna be there for 70 years. So you got the Babylonians. I mean, you, you would, and, and by the way, when these, when these kingdoms I mentioned, when they're in power, if you're living in it, it's like no one will ever overtake them. They're too powerful, right? So the Babylonians have the Israel's in captivity. The Persians take care of the Babylonians. <laughs> the Persians come along, you know, defeat the Babylonians and the Persians allow Israel to go back to the promised land. Israel is now in the promised land. They've been in the promised land for about a hundred years. So, and I, I say that to say Malachi has given his oracle somewhere in this hundred year time period when they were back in the land. Israel was, was back in the land. Unfortunately, 70 years of captivity did nothing to change their hearts. Because when you read Malachi, I'm telling you, Malachi is just like, whoa. Uh, you guys are, are sacrificing blemished animals. They're supposed to be the perfect animals on this sacrifice. You're divorcing your wives and marrying foreigners. You're worshiping pagan. You don't know say it's like a hundred years. They're back in the land, but their hearts have not changed. So this is where the 400 years of silence begins. But you've start, you know, I started with Babylon. Persia comes along, takes care of them. Well, Persians allow them to go back and then the Greeks take care of the Persians. Now, there's one Greek that we all kind of know, and I'll just land on him. Who's the great Greek conqueror that conquered the world? You tell me. <laughs> Alexander the Great. Yes, Alexander, you know, and he literally did conquer the world. He conquered Israel. You know, Alexander was a disciple of, student of Aristotle. And so Alexander was not just a warrior. The guy was a Renaissance person. I mean, he's a philosopher. And he brought with him this philosophy of Aristotle in which Aristotle believed in a unity. Aristotle believed in, 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 in one ideal culture, language, political system, all one. And so Alexander, as he's defeating these countries, he's instilling that singularity of culture and language and religion and political, geopolitical stuff. He's instilling that wherever he goes. You and I, perhaps in history, would remember it as Hellenization. What's Hellenization? It's making everything Greek. It's all Greek. And they're instilling that Greek. I got tickled thinking about this because it made me think of, remember the, the, the movie, My, My Big Fat Greek Wedding? Right, and remember the dad, like if you said a word, what would he do with the word? He would take the word and break it apart and show you how it's Greek, because Greek's everything. <laughs> that, that's real. <laughs> and that started with Alexander. We're gonna make everything Greek. Now, Alexander only lived, I wanna say it was 32 when he died. When he did, he had no successor. And so this massive kingdom is split up with his four generals, okay? Now, I'm, I'm flying high here. The most important thing to remember about those four is that it really comes down to two, uh, the Seleucids and the Ptolemies. Those are the, the two generals that finally established their own 
kingdom, one to the north, one to the south of Israel. And, and these two, I tried to describe it in first service. I don't think I did a very good job, but I'll, I'll do this again. I want you to imagine like if this was the Mediterranean Sea, okay? North, south, west, east. This is the Mediterranean Sea. Here's, here's Israel, okay? Israel's just a little bitty strip of land right here. To the north are the Seleucids. To the south, here's Egypt down here. To the south are the Ptolemies. This is all water. And so this little strip of land, as we know it, is a land bridge. And the Seleucids and the Ptolemies fought like crazy in Israel for hundreds of years. <laughs> I got it. No, no, you're out. No, I got it. Now I have it. And they just did that. Now think about Israel. Again, we're, we're, we're thinking of Israel and their weight. They're like a, they're like a playground in, a, in the worst sense of the word for, for them to have all their battles, these two. Now, the Ptolemies, when they were in control of Israel, they did something really interesting when I say that, think Egyptians on this. The, the king of Egypt during these, and we're talking hundreds of years of these battles, the king of Egypt, he commanded 70 Hebrew scholars to translate the Hebrew scripture into Greek. Because again, Alexander the Great had, had, had pushed Greek on everything. Greek became the language, you know, of, of all. She was going, why would an Egyptian want something in Greek? Because Greek was Greek, it was it. So, I mean, think about that for a moment. So, so there's a Hebrew scripture, Hebrew is a dying language, and an Egyptian king commands 70 of the, the brightest Hebrew scholars to take that Hebrew book and turn it into Greek so that the whole world could actually understand it. This is happening in this 400 year span. Now, the, the, that's called the Septuagint, by the way, the, the, the 70. And, and it's, it's used today, the Greek translation of the Hebrew scriptures. So you've got the Septuagint in, in these days. I'm gonna give you two other things that happen in these days that you think about when you get to the New Testament. There was also pushback of the Jews. There was a group who said, enough of this. Uh, we wanna be faithful to our God in the Hebrew scripture. And so they made learning the Torah preeminent. Memorizing the Torah, keeping the Torah, keeping the laws. That's gonna shock you when I say this, but it's the Pharisees. Uh, these, the, the Pharisees began with the best of intentions. Let's honor our God and keep his words. Does that make sense? Now, you think about it, that's the Pharisees. By the time we get to the New Testament, you and I are going, Pharisees? Whitewashed, you know, you want, because from a, a wonderful beginning, they got to this place where the law and keeping the law and all their additional traditions became preeminent. So you had the Pharisees. And then you had a, a group called the Sadducees that you know, bubble up in these days. And the Sadducees, and I say these two because we see them in the New Testament. The Sadducees would be kind of the liberal arm uh, of, of the Pharisees in this way. Uh, they, they wanted to keep a foot in the scripture, but then they planted their other foot squarely in the culture. 
Uh, these were generally wealthy Jews, aristocratic Jews. Uh, they, 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 they got high positions. They were, the, they, they, they were, they were uh, high priests. And so they didn't believe in the supernatural. They didn't believe in the resurrection. But, but they were a powerful cultural force in these days for the Jews. So, so when we get to the New Testament, you got to understand, if you read your Old Testament, you'll never see a Pharisee or a Sadducee. They weren't there. This all happened in these 400 years of silence. Now, one of these, one of the kings of this time um, was a man named Antiochus IV. Now, most people would know this king as Antiochus Epiphanes. Y'all know what an epiphany is, right? That's a word we use today. An epiphany is like a manifestation of God. Antiochus Epiphanes, this is toward the middle past part of the 400 years. Um, he was so anti-Jewish that he, he, he totally suppressed and um, you know, was trying to rid Palestine, Israel, of any God worship. And, and he gave himself the name. Think about a person that would give themselves the name of, my name is Manifestation of God. That's his name. And y'all, I, I kid you not, because I, I read this stuff. I didn't know this, but I was reading on it, of course, this week. He did things that I won't say, because it's just vile what he did. He, he forbids circumcision. Think about for the Jews. You, no, you can't circumcise your sons. It's a sign of the covenant. Uh, you, you, cannot, you cannot have or read scripture. He forbid it. And, and it's forbid it. If you have it, you're dead. He killed people. Thousands and thousands of people. He's probably most associated with an event that, that Daniel 2 talks about called the abomination of desolation. This sounds like something out of Lord of the Rings, you know? Abomination of desolation. And it's Antiochus Epiphanes, so angry at the Jews, went into the temple, slaughtered a pig, and put the pig on the altar of God. Now, you, again, think of your Jewish history. It's, it's forbidden, pigs for, forbidden, the blood of the pig on the altar. He sprinkled the blood throughout the whole temple. In other words, he desecrated the temple of the Jews. This guy was super, super bad. Now, soon after that, there was a, uh, there there was a priest outside of Jerusalem named Mattathias. He had five sons. He had enough. And he started, y'all, he started a revolt. And it was guerrilla warfare against Antiochus. And when I think of it, I, I really do think it's like, it was like, it was like, um, it was like Mel Gibson in The Patriot. You know what I'm saying? They were, he was fighting unconventional warfare. They were totally outnumbered by the Greeks. Uh, Matthias began the revolt. He died. His son picked up the revolt. His name was Judas Maccabeus. It's the Maccabean revolt. It means Judah the, Judas the hammer. And Judas defeated against all odds the Greeks, retook the temple, cleansed the temple. When they cleansed the temple, they, they, they went to light the menorah, the candles, 
They had one day's worth of oil. They lit the menorah with only one day's worth of oil. And the oil, as it's said, lasted eight days until they could get more. And today, and I mean literally, on November 28th, 2021, yours and our Jewish friends will celebrate that event. They begin today. It's called Hanukkah or the Feast of Dedication or the Feast of Lights and they will light those candles in honor of Judas Maccabeus and the miracle of the oil lasting for eight days. Well, we, we, we started with the Babylonians who no one ever thought would get rid of them. Well, the Persians took care of the Babylonians and then the Greeks took care of the Persians. And now in 63 AD, Israel is kind of semi-independent, but here's a problem. They're always fighting with each other. Rome steps in, a general named Pompey conquers Israel. So boom, Rome's, Rome is now in charge of Israel and a large part of the known world at that time. Now, the Romans, what they would do when they conquered a country, they would install a king and they installed, they installed their king by, as a guy by the name of Herod the Great. And we're going to read about this on Christmas Eve. Herod the Great. Um, here's what's fascinating to me about Herod, and some of you already knew this. I didn't know this, but, well, number one, Herod is a descendant of Esau. Um, God had made a covenant with Abraham that he would have a... You know, if they follow him, that, and then with David, you have a king on the throne. Well, that king would come through the line of Jacob, not his twin brother Esau. And so the, the, the Romans come into Israel and say, here is your king, an Idumean, a descendant of Esau, Herod the Great. I mean, it's like appalling, right? to the Jews. No, no, no. Our kings come from the line of Judah and the line of David. And so you, I'm, why, am I, why am I saying all this? In the sense to go, y'all, when we celebrate Christmas, can you feel the tension in the air in Israel? They, they couldn't stand Herod the Great. And Herod the Great knew it because the Roman Senate, the most powerful force in the known world then, had bestowed upon Herod this title, King of the Jews. Now you tell me when Herod, a megalomaniac, by the way, who was as cruel as Antiochus Epiphanes in many ways, when he hears there's another king of the Jews around, now, you know what I'm saying? Can you imagine what, what, what he would do? Well, we almost don't have to imagine. He decided to kill every boy under a certain age to make sure that king didn't get his throne. I mean, it's just, the, so this is the tension that fills the air at the birth of our savior. There's 400 years of kingdom swapping of, of, of geopolitical movements, religious changes that are mind boggling. The Romans as well, and I'll, I'll end the history lesson on this. They establish what you all would know as, we know as the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. And so here's this utterly pagan nation who establishes roads that were 
at a, at a level unknown in history to that day. Some of the Roman roads are still there today. You, you know, today they're there, Roman roads and security that commerce and people could travel those roads in ways that they had never experienced before. And, and when we jump ahead, for example, I'm gonna make a big jump. When you jump ahead to the book of Acts and we see how did Christianity get where it got so quickly? Y'all, it was on Roman roads. You know, like we got all these supply chain issues going on right now. I mean, we need the Romans right now. To, they, were, they were excelled at that. But, but I'm being serious when I say the Romans laid the groundwork for the expansion of the gospel. The Egyptians translated the Hebrew scripture into Greek so everyone could understand it. God was silent for 400 years. Doesn't mean God was not at work. And so I want you to turn in your Bibles and we'll land the plane at Galatians where, where Lindsay began us. At Galatians chapter four, verse four. Paul writing and says of this day we're preparing ourselves for, the, the, you know, looking back historically at the birth of Jesus. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. When the fullness, it's the Greek plethora, plethora, it's, it's, it's fullness, it's completion, it's whole, it's, it's, it's ready. When the fullness of time had come, God sent his son. It wasn't at the beginning of the 400 years. It wasn't 1,000 years before that. It wasn't in the middle of the 400 years. It was at the end of those 400 years that God sent his son. Can you imagine, and just go with me here for a moment, if you're a Jew, and you know, they only, you, know, you only live so long, but if you're a Jew under Babylon, it's like, we'll never get out of here. No one's gonna defeat the Babylonians. If you're a Jew and it's per, uh, the Persians, you know, thank goodness they let us go back home, but a lot of people stayed and nothing's it's still not right. And then, the, and then the Greeks come in and wait a minute, we, you know, we're, we're Hebrews, you're making everything Greek. And, and then the Romans come in and oppress and you know, now they're controlling. Can you imagine if you're a, a Jew and you're waiting on Messiah, surely all these events would conspire. You'd go, it's not gonna happen. We're not gonna wait I mean, at one level, it's like, you know, Judas, I, I, well, take, I'm gonna take stuff into my own hands, right? We'll, we'll clear the temple, we'll take care of this. I say all that to say, in these 400 years, in all that happened, and if we, if we, if we understand the world events, and I, you know, this goes back more than 400 years, but I'm just using the 400, understanding the highs and, and, and all the things that happened in those years it would be very difficult to wait patiently because <laughs> you don't know when that fullness is coming. You only know that God has promised it, that he would send the Messiah. And so I want to bring, I'm, I'm going I'm to land it here on, on us in, in terms of, okay, Lloyd, 
decent history lesson. Uh, okay, let's, let's get back to Philippians. No, it's what does that mean to us? What, so what, what, what I do, do, do with that, and, and I've, I, had so many, I had a bunch of applications. I'm only gonna give you this one to, to consider, uh, to ponder. If you and I are gonna wait well, and can I say this? I meant to say, I didn't say it last service. I wanted to say this. Waiting is not a consequence of the fall. So we need to get that out of our heads. Like waiting's evil. <laughs> it's not. We have a God who waits. In the garden, do you understand things took time to grow? Do you see what I'm saying? So let's get waiting out of this negative category. No, it's, it's intrinsic in being made in the image of God to wait. God has his purposes for waiting. We'll talk about those in the coming weeks. But if we're gonna wait well, we've, I read the news every morning. So I, I, I read the news of the world, I, I, I do that. So that's why I wanna start there and go, there's nothing wrong with that to be aware of world events and what's going on in the world. But if, if my diet is fundamentally news of the world, I'm telling you, you won't wait well. You'll get anxious, you get fearful, you might get angry, you'll do a lot of things, but you won't wait well. And so in terms of application, let me ask you to consider this. We've got to, we can, we can be informed with news of the world, but our, but our primary diet must be the story of redemption. Okay, Lloyd, what are you talking about? Our primary diet must be that which God has revealed. This, this has got to be our primary diet. If, if it's not, then I assure you, an election cycle will turn you inside out. News of the world, local, global, it'll, it'll create such, it's the end of the world. Oh my gosh, what's going to happen? That's going to, you, you go crazy. What I'm saying is, as followers of Christ, we can be informed of what's happening in the world, but we only wait well, which means wait in faith, if we are super familiar and convinced of the story of redemption. Because in this way, while we know the world's going up, down, side, oh my gosh, the Babylonians, they'll never be overthrown, and boom, they're gone, you know, you know what's happening. Instead, we'll be aware of the events of the world, y'all. But as Christians, we've got to be resting in the God who is behind every event in this world. And we only are aware of that God and his work when we're in his word. This week, you're, you're, gonna, you're gonna be, before the day's out, you're gonna have to wait. And I want you to consider this question. Are you, are you waiting for the circumstance to change so you get what you want so this happens? Or can you take the delay, you know, you take the delay and you, and you see it and go, I'm gonna rest in the God who keeps his promises. That's, that's, that's what matters most, that my heart is resting 
and the God who keeps his promises. The God who was silent at the end of Malachi and 400 years later, world events and things had changed and things had happened such that the fullness of time came and Christ arrives. I want you to think about it for a moment. I'm gonna invite the, the worship team to come back out. We'll, we'll conclude with a song and then I'll send you out in a moment. But I want you in this moment, would you ask the Holy Spirit to bring to your mind something you are waiting on? Because you're, you're, we're all waiting. What are you waiting on right now that's creating anxiety or tension or anger? And would you bring, would you bring the providence of God to that? The God who who keeps and kept his promise and will keep his promise to you. So that when you and I as Christ followers get delayed, rather than frustration, faith arises. I can wait on a God who keeps his promises because he keeps his promises. And whatever that is I need, fullness of time God brings let's stand together Father in these moments may our words as we sing reflect our hearts may, may we this week find ourselves trusting you more fully we just saw a little snippet of 400 years which is nothing nothing it's a breath it's nothing and cataclysmic change and good things, bad things. And, and yet in all, you, oh God, were working toward the fullness of time. In our waits during this holiday season, let us wait with deep assurance depending upon the fullness of your spirit in us, help our eyes to be open to you, O oh God, who always keep your promises. Amen.